This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. A.J. Boyd at Indianapolis has won his fourth 500-mile race. We've got an accident on the main straightaway. Kevin Cogan is against the wall. Mears makes it dry. John Dock wins it by less than one-tenth of a second. Danny Sullivan gets him. Danny Sullivan gets him. No, he's squirrely. No, he's spinning. Danny Sullivan spins. Tommy Rahal charges down the inside, and Rahal comes past Kevin Cogan. Mario Andretti slowing down on the main straightaway. Side by side, ever on the inside. to a stop just a few feet short of the start-finish line. Emmo raises his hands as if to say, I can't believe what has happened. Goodyear went around the pace car. Now Gordon's pulling in. He's pulling in. Teddy Brick has got it. Paul Tracy looking good right now. And Greg Beckett, too, as Tracy tries to make the pass. Probably. He makes the pass in the north. Then he hits George Prestonary. Martin is on the speedway. Sam Orton Jr. makes the pass. They'll win it. Sam Orton Jr. goes to the inside of the ready. And White line. He is sputtering slow and he hits the wall. He hits the wall coming out of four. Will he have enough to cross the yard of bricks? Who is the winner? Weldon. Of the Dan Indian. Weldon. Weldon. Dan Weldon has won the race. The white flag is out to Kumasato, the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan driver. Now pulling up on the leader. Dario Franchini, will he make the move? No, he'll crash in turn number one. Three wide, Munoz on the outside, Kanan on the inside. Who will make the pass stick? It's going to be Kanan, TK out in front. Ryan Hunter Ray looking at Elio Castro Nevis making that car plenty wide. Tucks right in behind him, almost got into the grass to make the pass. Ryan Hunter Ray with a bonsai move in the entrance to three. Back in front of Indianapolis. Turn number 800 is upon us. Less than a car length is the difference. The final turn, the call the finish. The voice of the 500, Paul Page. And it is Ryan Hunter Ray that is going to lead Elio Castro Nevis across the line. Ryan Hunter Ray has his first Indianapolis 500 mile race win. Elio Castro Nevis will have to wait for another year. He may have to coast it across the finish line. Alexander Rossi almost rolling to a dead stop. Twin checkers are out, and the rookie will win the 100th Indianapolis 500 mile race. Absolutely cat and mouse right now. Pagano going to pop to the outside. Simon Pagano has taken the lead from Alexander Rossi as he rolls through turn number three. Simon Pagano holds on to that lead in the short shoot. About a three to four car length advantage over Alexander Rossi. White flag is in the hand of the starter, Paul Plevins. We are at the final lap of the 103rd Indianapolis 500 mile race. Rossi is pedaling, but Sato's right there in third. And Simon Pagano, the leader, exiting turn one of the final He is right there. He looks to the inside. Pagano is slipping all over, trying to irritate that air. Now Alexander Rossi to the outside. Pagano shuts the door in turn number three. Simon Pagano, two colleagues in front of Alexander Rossi. Through the short shoot, Simon Pagano the lead, trying to win from the pole. Take him home, Mark James. Pagano got a strong on for turn number four. He's going to pull away from Alexander Rossi. Simon Pagano sweeps the run. Twin checkers out. He'll go to victory lane. Elio Castro Nevis with a strong run off of turn number four. They are sticking their way down the straightaway. Elio to the high side in turn number one. Boyd 
Gomez. Elio takes the lead on a turn one. We have two laps to go in the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. Elio Castro Navas, a six-car length advantage over Alex Pillow. They make their way down the back straightaway. Four-car length advantage. Get on your feet, turn number three. Everybody jumping for Elio Castro Navas. The king of the dancing takes his way through turn number three. Throws up some dust. Pillow, two car lengths behind him. They're all on their feet, but there's a lot of traffic in front. Elio Nevis, the lead out of four. And the white flag will fly on the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race and in turn number one. If Alex Pillow is going to get Elio Nevis, it's not in turn one. Elio leads into the short shoot. Five cars ahead of our leader, a new team, and a new life for Elio Nevis. Ryan Hunter-Ray is in front of Elio Nevis. Two car lengths down the back straight away for the final time. All kinds of traffic now as they work their way into turn number four. But it's Elio Castroneves behind Ryan Hunter-Ray trying to hold up Alex Below. Castroneves looking for number four, Chris. A two-car length advantage. Elio Castroneves trying to become a four-time winner out of turn four. Off turn four for the final time. Elio Castroneves comes to the start-finish line. Quick checkers out and then there were four. Elio Castroneves joins the Welcome to race weekend for the 106th Indianapolis 500. We are live again tonight, or I guess I should say plausibly live at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park for the Carb Night Classic pre-race show. And we've got a few fans assembled. Luckily, we're under a tent as it's raining here at the moment. Give yourselves a hand. Thanks for coming out tonight, everybody. So we had the big Prime 47 Burger Bash on Monday by uh, the track in Speedway. So we'll do another one for a race night coming up with USAC and also the Road to Indy in just a little bit. This is 93.5107.5 The Fan. My name is Kevin Lee. Sam Romsa is in our studios. Kurt Cavan is stuck at the Speedway because things were delayed a little bit. So he's got some duties to do. But we've got some special guests coming up on the program getting you set and recapping a little bit as to what happened today on the final day of practice. And there were a lot of things happening today. So we've got some guests coming up uh, in just a moment. And I know he's got to get to another event here coming up in just a moment. So I'm going to start with uh, one of the contenders in Indy Lights. He drives for Andretti Autosport. He's already won two championships in the road to Indy, trying to go for number three this year. Christian Rasmussen, you need to remember this name. He's going to be in IndyCar very, very soon. How are you, Christian? I'm very good. I'm very good. So you like this place. You've done pretty well here, haven't you? Oh, I love this place. I just, all the emotion came flying, flying back when I when I came in the gate and saw the track. Uh, I won here two years in a row now and absolutely love this place, yeah. So in different kind of cars, you won in USF 2000 and you won in Indy Pro 2000. And for most of these young drivers, this is the first time they've done an oval. Yeah, uh, yeah, both won the Freedom 75 uh, in 2020 and the Freedom 90 in uh, 2021 um, and yeah a lot of these drivers it's the first first time and I've been fortunate enough to do, to do it three times so far and yeah just special every time so tell me about your season this year and there are two aspects of that how quick you've been and then the results and the way you're going from here because I, I think from an outsider standpoint you have shown that you are a legitimate championship contender and someone to watch yeah, I feel like I feel like we've been quick. Uh, I mean, I felt felt like we deserved to win the St. Pete. Uh, kind of some unfortunate stuff happened with the car, so we so we didn't really finish that race. But I was leading that for the most part. 
Um, was very quick, had the fastest lap at Barber as well. Uh, got taken out in Indy. So like, but also from a, from a first place. So we've, we've been there and we've been able to compete, but just haven't really gotten the, the results that, that we have uh, deserved, I think. So next up for you guys, uh, Road America here. No, you are in Detroit coming up next weekend in Detroit, yeah. and you got two races again. Yeah, opportunity to bounce back. Uh, when you look back, I think the, the street circuit for me has been pretty strong. Um, so I've been looking forward to, to get to a new street, street circuit for me. I haven't been at Detroit before. Uh, getting back there and hopefully uh, kind of bounce back, uh, show everyone that I am able to compete and, and actually get, get the result uh, at the end. So that's what we're looking to do. So tell me about the Danish invasion. Did, did you know this, that uh, you used to cart with Christian Lundgaard, right? You've known him for a while. He's the first driver ever in the Indianapolis 500 from Denmark. Did you know that? You can be number two. Yeah, I mean, I was looking to be number one for a lot of years. <laughs> and uh, until he showed up last summer, you were on track. Yeah, now, now I'm not even going to be the first Christian either. <laughs> uh, it, it is what it is. I think it's I think it's really good for the sport. I really enjoy having Christian here. We, uh, we were super close in karting, kind of drifted apart a little bit uh, when he raced in Europe and I raced in the U.S., uh, but now we're living in the same apartment complex and we hang out quite a bit. So I, I really enjoy having Christian over here. We're, we're getting super close again and uh, and hanging out a, a lot. So And I think it's good for good for me as well to, to get a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, interest from IndyCar as well. Him talking about me and me talking about him, I think it's I think it's all good. And is there an advantage being associated with an IndyCar team like Andretti Autosport? How does that, that play off just having that extra resource or those resources available? No, for sure it is. Uh, I mean, we can, especially coming at uh, to a place like Detroit, where the the lights team doesn't have a lot of uh, of experience. Uh, I think the especially the engineers can kind of lean on on the IndyCar side of things to to kind of figure out where to go with the car and and everything as well. And we can as, as drivers as well talk to talk to the IndyCar drivers. So I think it's I think it's really really good, and I'm very fortunate to be a part of of Andretti Autosport. Have you been paying attention to what's happening out at the speed? What do you expect this weekend? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's been a crazy day today. Two crashes, uh, Colton and Malukas. It was uh, it was good to see Colton jump out of the car again. I mean, that was that was a really big one. Um, but uh, I mean, I only saw it on TV. But but it, it looked it looked crazy out there. Christian, thanks for coming over, and good luck to you next weekend in Detroit. Thank you very much. A future star, Christian Rasmussen, kind enough to come over and join us. So what I also want to explain now is one of the other uh, aspects of this event and why we're doing it tonight. It's officially the Carb Night Classic pre-race party presented by ABC Supply, benefiting homes for our troops. A very special cause. The uh, J.R. Hildebrand number 11 car and A.J. Foyt Racing and really ABC Supply have donated the visibility and the signage and the logos on the side of the car to Homes for Our Troops to be able to raise money. And I want to bring up now the president and CEO of Homes for Our Troops, Tom Landwehrmeyer, and also Liam Dwyer, who is a veteran that uh, some of you may know is also a winning race car driver in IMSA. He won a race in what is now known as the Michelin Pilot Challenge. It was the Continental Tire uh, challenge uh, back in the day. It was Memorial Day weekend, actually, by the way, in 2011. Is that right? I remember what, 2014. 2014. You started racing a couple years before that as well. So we're going to uh, tell Liam's story in just a moment. But Tom, thank you very much. I want you to explain to everyone uh, about Homes for Our Troops and what the cause and what the mission is. 
Thanks very much, Kevin. And uh, again, as you said, ABC Supply, a great uh, partner with us, and uh, we couldn't thank them enough for this opportunity. We're a national nonprofit uh, located just outside of Boston. Uh, we build specially adapted custom homes across the country, and then we donate them to the most severely injured post 9-11 veterans to enable them to rebuild their lives. We've been around since two, 2004, and to date we built 330 homes in 42 states. We've got another 84 projects currently underway across the country, more than 100 more veterans uh, in the application process of our program. And on top of all those numbers, there's still another 1,000 more veterans out there severely injured enough mm. that would qualify for our program. We generally get 20 to 25 homes on the ground built a year. Uh, you can do that quick math and know we got a lot of work to do. We need all the help we can get. Uh, ABC Supply is really helping us with the awareness piece because uh, since inception, we've only spent uh, 90 cents on the dollar has gone to our program. So very little wow. to overhead and advertising. We're word of mouth uh, awareness organization. So for everybody listening, uh, if you could tell a few people, the organization you ran into today, who we are, what we do, but most importantly, who we do it for, it'd really help us out. And visit our website, hfotusa.org, and give us a hand. And uh, I knew I liked ABC Supply to begin with, and this is another reason to think even more highly of them. They've kept AJ Foyt Racing going, a competitor for a while, and now they're doing something for our veterans. They are tremendous partners. We can't say enough for them. So, Liam, I want you to tell me about your relationship uh, with Homes for Troops because I think you're one of the examples of what they're doing for our veterans. So I actually received a home from Homes for Our Troops back in 2020. My wife, or girlfriend at the time, filled out the application back in 2015, and it's really a process to go through to get one of these homes. It's not like you fill out the application, they check yes, and, and off you go with it. They actually do a kind of a vetting process to make sure that you are going to be a caliber person that they want to have associated with them, because no matter where you go, you're still going to be associated with homes for our troops. They want to have the proper perception of the veterans that are out there. So we were lucky enough to go to their conference in 2016 up in Massachusetts. We got accepted at that time. Um, but just due to timing and materials and stuff like that, our house project wasn't started until the beginning of 2020. And fortunately slash unfortunately, you know, COVID came about, uh, but we received the keys to our house in August and we officially moved in in October of 2020. Liam, if you don't mind, I want you to share your story of how you went from being massively injured to winning a sports car race. That's a, a big, broad topic, but it is an amazing story. Yeah, we'll uh, try to keep this as short as possible. <laughs> but uh, So I joined the Marine Corps in 2011. I deployed to Iraq uh, 2006, 2007. I was in a Humvee that got hit by a roadside bomb, and then I went to Afghanistan in 2010, 2011. And in May of 2011, um, I stepped on a bomb, uh, lose my left leg immediately, severely injuring uh, my other limbs, which I was fortunate enough to be able to, to keep. Uh, in 2014, I got the opportunity to go pro racing with Mazda. At that point, I had just over 50 surgeries and quite a few thousands of hours of rehab. And the race actually took place on Memorial Day weekend up in Connecticut, which is where I'm from. Lime Rock is my home track, and it was nearly three years to the day of when I got injured that uh, we came back and won that race. So it was really, as some of the other drivers here know, you know sometimes you get the car, a lot of the times it comes down to luck to uh, where you get that win. So we were very fortunate to come out with the win that weekend and kind of the 
train took off at that point. Did you have racing experience before you were in the military? How did you pick that up so quickly? No, I had no racing experience before the military. It's just, I've always loved cars. I've always loved driving. I started doing club stuff uh, right around 2007 when I came back from Iraq. Uh, I went to the uh, Skip Arbor School up in Lime Rock there. Yep. But uh, things kind of got put on hiatus 2010, 2011. And I didn't start driving again until 2012. And by the end of 2012, I had taught myself how to drive manual transmissions again with my prosthetic leg. And then when I when, when we were racing, excuse me, in 2014, we had a special leg made for me so I could drive with the stick, but then be able to quickly release, not only to do a driver change, but also to yank myself out of the car and, you know, the event of a crash or a fire. So it's, it was a process to get back to where there were many hurdles to come through. And, you know, Mazda helped me out with those hurdles to get me to a pinnacle of my career. And for those that don't know what type of series he was racing in, you're probably familiar with Robert Wickens. Basically the same series. Your class was called the ST class, and that's, they've just changed the name of it. It's now called TCR. But these are serious pro racers. Um, I, I know you probably, like everybody else, just looking for budget. Is there still a desire to get back in a race car a little bit? I mean, of course, there's, there's always that desire, but since 2017, which is when I had to stop racing, I was looking to go into one surgery, maybe a six-month uh, hiatus became 17 surgeries, mm. uh, three years of uh, not being able really to drive. And then I, unfortunately, fall last year, wrecked my knee again, broke my foot, two surgeries last year, two more coming up this year. So yeah, the, the desire is always there, but the health comes first for me right now. Well, you're very inspiring to all of us. Thank you for what you're doing, and also telling your story as often as you do to help other veterans as well. Liam Dwyer, and he is one of the, uh, the reasons why we're doing this, for Home for Our Troops, and Tom Landwehrmeyer again. That, that website is hfotusa.org. Uh, donations, and then we can actually give you something here in the auction. We'll go over in just a little bit for those that aren't ahead. Thank you, Liam. Thank you, Tom. I know you have other events that you need to get here tonight. That is very, very cool. Uh, I want to bring up our next guest with us now. He is the runner-up last year in the USF 2000 Championship. He's the reigning winner of this race, so you know he's going to be a favorite, and he is going to be starting on the pole whenever we get this going from Cape Motorsports. Michael D. Orlando, you're a regular on the radio show. You're Monday night as well. So, so tell me about the oval racing. What do you got in store for tonight? Well, I mean, if the race can, uh, if the rain can kind of hold off for a little bit, so we can yeah. actually get this race in, I'll be a little happier after that. But uh, you know, after qualifying yesterday, I have a super fast car. Cape Motorsports and Ride Star Racing definitely put on a, definitely made it really possible for me to go up there and put a good lap down, a uh, good two laps actually. And that number four car is definitely going to be quick in this race, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to see, looking forward to see what we can do. So, what's the different skill set needed from every other race is a road course race, and it's what most of you guys have been doing in some cases since you were six years old, you know, in go-karts, and now you're doing an oval where what? What do you need to be good on, an, on a short oval like this? You need consistency, and it's a huge head game. So you go out there, and yeah, you only have two real turns. You, I mean, you split them up into four. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, it's, it's really hard to not let your mind wander. So having that mental strength and the mental capacity where you can keep that focus is just super important out on the oval. And the next to the best thing is that you need that car. You can't outdrive a car on an oval, so you have to put a lot of time testing in that, with that car and going back and forth to your team in the data room 
and be like, yeah, this is what I need to make the car go a little bit faster and more, make it more drivable for me so I can go out there and perform. 75 laps. How soon, if it stays green, are you, even if you're in the lead, needing to pass people, which is difficult here, dealing with lap traffic? Well, last year, I think it was like lap eight or so oh, that I was dealing with lap traffic. It's a short course and yeah. it, lap traffic comes quick. So uh, it's not just you get out in front and you just end up leading. You don't have any cars. You're going to have to be constant car, uh, passing cars constantly. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a really tough race and you need a car that can both lead and pass cars. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And you basically hug the wall here, right? The, the high line is the, is the groove? Yeah, the high line is that groove. So there's really four different uh, four different lanes. You have the low lane, the two middle lanes, and then the fourth lane up top. And you pretty much just stay in that third lane from uh, up top. And then if you want to make a pass, you dip down into the second lane. But anywhere outside of that third lane is not quite as fast. So that's really, that's really where you want to stay. Car number four, right? Car number four, USF 2000, Michael Diorlando. All right, Michael. Thank you. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Michael Michael Orlando. he's one of the championship contenders. It is really tight up here as well, and we have his teammate that's just come in. Let's let him catch his breath for a moment, because Stingray Rob has been waiting here, the coolest name in motorsport, and yes, that's his real name. He also drives for Andretti Autosport, the top step of the road to Indy, Stingray Rob. How are you? I'm doing well. I mean, I think the weather's not doing as good as I am. A little ominous for an oval race. It, it is. We're not going to be able to put on the wets and go with this. So I, the question I always get from people, well, why can't they just put rain tires and we go race on an oval? It's your turn to answer that one. I mean, you guys can go out and try it, but <laughs> I prefer not doing 150 miles an hour next to a wall in the rain. It seems a little sketchy to me. It's, it's sketchy enough in the drive. So, yeah, I think that avoiding the water is a good idea. So tell me about your experience here in the road to Indy. Uh, how did it go for you? I got kind of a mixed bag here. It's a little bit of a love-hate relationship. This is one of my first ovals I ever did. And what an oval. I mean, you're running the high line here for 90 laps, and it's physical. You're exhausted. The car's on edge. Um, but I, I've got a podium here, and I have got less than a podium here. But uh, one of my favorite experiences, I got to run side-by-side -side with Cody Swanson, who's a USAC champion around here. Uh -huh. And uh, he, he took me to school on that race day. So but it was pretty cool to drive around with him, you know, put in a few passes here and there, go wheel to wheel. Now, there's only really one lane around this track. So to go side-by-side -side on the inside lane and the outside lane and back and forth is pretty exciting. So you mentioned that the physical challenge of this race, is this one of the more mentally challenging races? Oh, for sure. I think any track that's physical is mentally challenging as well because as a driver, we try and avoid what you get, well, it's called brain fade. So, you know, runners, they'll go on a run and they'll get their runners high after a certain amount of time. And they're trying to get that as soon as possible. But as a race car driver, when you get that runner's high, you make mistakes. And so as a driver, you have Meaning to... Meaning we just kind of zone out as a runner, right? Exactly. I, yeah, not paying attention, yeah. Exactly. So as soon as you zone out, we're making quarter of a second decisions lap after lap, and especially on the oval. You're, you're dancing on a knife edge, and on that high line, there's no room for error. So for us, I think, especially on an oval that's this short and this tight, you don't stop turning the whole entire time. So you're, you're in the car for 45 minutes, close to, without letting go of the steering wheel. There's no real straightaway to catch your breath on. 
and you're trying to avoid that runner's high. So your heart rate's anywhere from 160 to 180 for that entire race, and you're just holding on for dear life, and hopefully you're the car out front and you can just have to defend and not have to worry about getting around other cars. But like Michael said, lap traffic comes into play, and it goes pretty crazy from there. So I brought up that mental challenge because, unfortunately, Indy Lights doesn't do the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. In an ideal world, that would be good prep, but I also understand the other side of that, why that's not happening. But I, I think when you get to IndyCar and you do the Indy 500, part of that adjustment is the mental part of that. So are you still getting, even on a short oval, places like here and Gateway in Iowa, are you getting some of that mental preparation that you need for big ovals in IndyCar? Absolutely. But I think it's just exponential when you step up to that top level. I mean, you're going from 160, 170, 180 miles an hour to 240. And when you make that jump, it's like light speed. You know, Jimmy Johnson said it this not too long ago, but uh, the Millennium Falcon, if Millennium Falcon is probably a similar ride to an Indy car around the Indy 500 racetrack. So I think for those guys, they're, they're on a different level on that mental side of things. And they got to be consistent, like Michael said. I mean, you're doing a lot of seat time in the car, and you're saving fuel, you're passing cars, you're managing tires. You're doing everything that you can to put the car in front. And, I mean, when racing gets going and yellow flags come out and you got so much to think about, life gets a little bit challenging out there, so you got to focus on what you're doing. Second year for you in Indy Lights. You've done a few years in Indy Pro 2000 before, by the way, winning the championship in 2020. Yep. Uh, you moved to Andretti this year, and I know you got multiple podiums. I don't have the stats in front of me, but two, three. You, yeah. You've done well so far this season. What's this year been like for you? Oh, man, Andretti Autosport is so good. And to have the resources to pull from IndyCar back down in Indy Lights. Like my engineer, he spent 15 years plus in IndyCar. So I'm working with him trying to gain as much knowledge as possible. Um, but three thirds and a fourth so far this season. So we're just focusing on being consistent. Um, Detroit is our next race, it's a doubleheader. And hopefully we can get that first win checked off. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. It should be a good rest of the year. 10 races to go. Looking good. Interesting story for Stingray as well. His manager is Peter Rossi, Alexander Rossi's dad, who's been someone that I've kind of used for, for some insight. And I've talked to your dad a little bit as well. But that's just kind of an extra resource there because Peter has been there and done that. And he's always got somebody on speed dial he can ask something to. Yeah, one of the crazy things about racing, it's not like any other sport. It's pretty dynamic. You got to have the engineering side. You got to have the team backing you. You got to have the talent to drive a car around a racetrack at 200 miles an hour. And you got to have the funding. So that comes with marketing ability um, and just meeting green people and being able to present yourself as a marketable driver. And so Peter's job has been able to manage me into a good driver on and off the racetrack and so alexander kind of set the path for me and i'm just following suit so hopefully uh one day here soon i'll be able to check off that indy 500 win like he did in his rookie season hey thanks for coming over i appreciate it are you do you have duties tonight or just here watching you helping anybody coaching anybody i'm gonna be a fan all weekend just good like you. you guys so i'm getting to enjoy it stingray rob andretti auto sport from idaho kind enough to join us Let's bring on another one of the Cape Motorsports drivers. He is the hometown driver from about 10 minutes away from here. It's Jackson Lee in the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center, Browning Chapman number two for Cape Motorsports. All right, game plan for tonight. Ovals are tricky. Starting in the middle, what do you plan to do? Yeah, really, you can't have much of a plan in situations like this. You gotta just kind of fill holes and see, see, what, you can, see what you can get. 
this start is just going to be so chaotic and people all have their own plans and by turn one they're all going to be ruined so <laughs> you have to just kind of take advantage of what you can get and be able to make decisions on the fly um, so I for right now I'm just waiting to see when we can get on track and get this rain cleared up because I'm ready to go racing I think my friend Elio Castroneves termed the phrase code brown for a big moment and I saw you're on board from your second lap of qualifying yesterday how'd that go for you yeah not ideal um, <laughs> it, it, it got pretty pretty free uh, coming to the to the checkered flag which was unfortunate I think that lap was gonna be a pretty good lap probably a couple tenths quicker than my uh, my out lap uh, but things happen so we'll we'll make up for for what we lost in qualifying um, just got to pass some cars passing race cars is fine that's why we're here so uh, we'll be all right so left hand up is not really ideal on the oval when you're turning left but the good thing is that you had the talent and the quickness to be able to to save the thing uh, you did this last year is this a mentally challenging race was it more difficult than a road course race for sure uh, for multiple reasons it's very mentally challenging First reason is most of us coming from a road course background just don't have the experience of the oval and don't have the confidence to be able to push the car properly to get the lap time out of it. So having the experience of last year certainly helped to be able to, to push the car properly. And along with that, this is the longest race we have all season uh, and it, it gets repetitive. We have 75 laps as opposed to 18 or 20 on the road courses. So being able to stay mentally focused to be able to run the proper, the proper technique every single lap and not make mistakes, it can get mentally mentally taxing on you uh, so just being able to stay focused and run quick laps uh, it's super important here and having that experience certainly helps all right good luck tonight thank you or maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll see yeah it, it, here's what I think is gonna happen it's gonna be at 2 o'clock tomorrow because that's when the NBC rehearsal is for the pre-race. So if he races tomorrow, once again, like last year, I won't be able to see it. Tonight was my night. I want to bring up now the voice of the road to Indy. If you've ever watched any of the YouTube shows uh, or you've been at racetracks, you've heard him on public address at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, or if you are a karting fan, eKarting News is his publication, and they do live webcasts of big kart races. Rob Howden joins us here. Thank you, Rob. And one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because you have known these drivers in IndyCar, you've known probably half of them. Pretty Certainly much, yeah. everyone that's raced in, in North America, have you known since they were little kids? Yeah, I'm very lucky with uh, what to do in karting. I get a chance to start when Stingray Rob or Michael or Jackson, when they were, you know, five, six, seven years of age, I start with them in karting and then I follow them through the ranks, whether it was James Hinchcliffe or Robbie Wickens or mm -hmm. Alexander Rossi. So yeah, I get a chance to watch them come through karting and then the road to Indy and of course into IndyCar as well. So we'll, I'll put you on the spot here because there's a name that comes up here recently they think is the most talented to come through the road to Indy who's an Indy car. But, you know, throughout an A, who, who have you seen in the last 10 years that when they got to IndyCar, you thought this is going to be the guy. This is the guy that maybe not everybody knows about but is going to really impress people. <laughs> well, you know, for me, I guess the big one, and it's not even a name that would be like that, it was Colton Herta. Literally, when we watched Colton Herta in karting, what he did when he was 8, 9, 10 years of age, you could see that there was so much natural talent. Obviously, you know, the, the, uh, the, everything he got from his dad, from Brian, from being at the racetrack all the time. I'm not surprised at all with what he's doing right now. I know some people are like, man, I can't believe what this kid's doing, but his racecraft was like that from the very beginning of Carter. Uh, he, I started hearing about him, yeah. not just because of Brian, but a lot of people when he was a little kid. You probably saw Michael and Jackson's teammate, Jagger Jones, in karting, and he's had a really interesting path because he was a superstar carter, went the stock car path, raced in ARCA. I'm going to be interested in seeing someone with short oval experience 
First time in a Formula car, but I expect Jagger to be pretty strong in this race. Yeah, Jagger won a lot of championships. Supercarts USA yeah. Cadet Championships when he was seven, eight years of age, then won the Junior Championship as well. And, and you know, the common thought, as you know, is you go from carts right into open-wheel Formula cars, and he decided to do something different. He wanted to try a different angle, and they went stock car racing, late models in, you know, Irwindale in California. Uh, he ran the Arca West Series for a while, and finally, I talked to him last year at New Jersey and was, yeah, I'm finally going to come to the road to Indy. Mm -hmm. He likes to go with Cape Motorsports, the same team that Jackson and Michael drive for. They've won many, many championships. And he's already won this year. And he's, uh, you know, he's 19 years old. He's a mature kid. But you talk about that. He's got a lot of oval experience. It's a way different race car, but he knows how to turn left. How do the championships look right now in Indy Pro 2000 and USF 2000? Yeah, unbelievably close. We have, I think, in Indy Pro 2000, five drivers within just five points. Uh, very similar in USF 2000 as well. Just a couple points separating first and second. So our titles are really just getting started. The big thing about this weekend for the road to Indy is it's points and a half. So it's 45 points. Norm normally 30 points for a race win. 45 points to win here, so crucial to win on the Oval. Thank you for coming over, Rob. Always my pleasure, Kevin. Rob Houghton, the voice of the road to Indy, joining us here. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk about the Indy 500, what happened today, what we think might happen coming up on Sunday. Stay with us. It is a, a plausibly live edition of the program from a wet Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park ahead of the Card Night Classic either tonight or maybe finishing up tomorrow. Stay with us on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hi, this is Colton Herta, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to the Carb Night pre-race party presented by ABC Supply, benefiting homes for our troops. We're at Lucas Oil, Indianapolis Raceway Park. Thank you, everyone, for braving the rain tonight. I'm impressed that people came out to see us when I don't know when we're going to see cars on the racetrack. Give yourself a nice hand again tonight for joining us. During the commercial break, we've been raising some money for Homes for Our Troops. Let's get into the uh, news of the day, brought to you by Circle City Raceway and Speedrome. Friday and Saturday features two full nights of racing at the Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome, powered by Lincoln Tech, or at least it will if the weather cooperates tonight. The world-famous figure eight takes center stage, and Saturday night's 47th running of the spring shootout one-hour figure eight endurance race for their thunder and lightning unlimited horsepower late models, plus two full nights of racing on the historic fifth mile info is available at speedrome.com so what do i think the news of the day is i think there are a few nuggets of news of the day i heard on peacock today when we started at 11 o'clock and then i saw it when i checked my social media the team announced it others reported it Pato award has been confirmed he signed his contract we thought that was happening but he's actually signed the contract now to stay with arrow mclaren sp through 2025 i mentioned on the broadcast today that I, I think David Malsher reported this last week and I chatted with Alexander Rossi yesterday for a while and I kind of got the same story wink wink I've signed my contract I know where I'll be next year I'm quite happy about it I believe I'm going to have a better chance to win the championship and no I'm not allowed to say where that is but we all are fairly certain it's Errol McLaren SP you kind of put the dots together because it's it's not Penske it's not Ganassi and it's pretty clear that he's leaving so he will be joining Pato Award there and their third is a little bit uncertain it's kind of a 
uh, a gong show at this point. Is it going to be Felix Rosenquist staying? Is it going to be Renus VK? Ed Carpenter uh, would like to keep him, and Renus said he has until August 1st, I think, and values what Ed allowed him, so I would not count out Ed Carpenter racing for keeping Renus VK. McLaren, by the way, also building a new facility nearby in Whitestown. Some other news items, Danny Sullivan, Paul Page, Wally Dallenbach inducted into the IMS Hall of Fame, so all really good stuff, and that's our news of the day, and on Memorial Day at Indy's Dirt Track Circle City Raceway and the stars of Dirt Late Model Racing will be honoring a legend with the inaugural running of the C.J. Rayburn Stronger Than Dirt Memorial Classic plus UMP Modifieds, and coming Wednesday, June 8th, it's Indy Midget Week and the return of the USAC National Midget Series taking on the Quarter Mile Bull Ring. For more information, check out CircleCityRaceway.com. We're hoping to see USAC racing here tonight. By the way, if you're listening uh, live, so we taped this about an hour or so ago, and at that time, it had stopped raining. So I believe the plan for the evening, I suspect that USAC is going to kind of get first priority. Uh, USF 2000 was supposed to start at 7 o'clock. That did not happen. But I suspect that USAC will get to go first and get their program going, and then a road to Indy with USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000 will go if time is available. So they might be racing after midnight. So if it's nice a little later on, you might uh, check social media and you might find some racing in there. Still tickets available at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. All right, let's talk about the biggest race in the world that is coming up on Sunday. And by the way, so I've had this question a lot the last few weeks. Is it going to be on TV locally? Is it going to be on Peacock? And I said, I think it'd be best not to ask and it might slip through the cracks. Well, it turns out it's going to work out okay. Uh, they apparently haven't figured out a way to geofence the central Indiana area only to block Peacock. So the blackout is still in existence. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway retains that right through the contract. And it sounds like they had that right as well with Peacock. But Technically, it's a little bit of a challenge, so they always decided, all right, this year it's fine, and we'll work on it for next year. So if you are in Indianapolis, first of all, there's still some tickets available. We hope to see you at the track on Sunday. Second of all, the radio broadcast is fantastic. You can listen to that as well. But if you subscribe to Peacock Premium, $4.99, you could cancel it at the, the end of the day if you want. You could watch the Indianapolis 500 live with the NBC broadcast coming up this weekend and then still watch it on Channel 13 on Sunday night. If anyone has a question about the 500, feel free to raise your hand, and I'm just going to kind of talk amongst myself since Kurt didn't make it out tonight. And here's what happened today. So we were a little bit delayed. I was chatting with a few drivers. I remember Marco Andretti was explaining this before the practices. I went through and kind of queried the drivers in, in my section, uh, the eight drivers that I have. How much do you need to run today? And, you know, it's generally, yeah, we feel like we're pretty good. We're going to run a few laps just to confirm some things, maybe just do a systems check, and then we're going to park it. So I chat with Marco, and he says, yeah, everybody always says that. But they get out there. Something doesn't feel right. They start making a change. They make more changes fool themselves for a while and by the end of the session they've run the whole thing and may end up going back to where they started so it's all just kind of a, an exercise in futility and that's what happened and I'll be interested to see what happens next year because they all ran more than we expected again after the Monday and then you have two big crashes after in theory you probably should have had everything done you needed to do if you didn't see it david malukas hits the wall hard rookie for dale coin racing with hmd um santino ferrucci told me yeah probably my fault there he 
they both, one was coming up, one was coming down, but hits the wall hard, he's fine. Cara is gonna need some massive repairs. And then a really scary one by himself, Colton Herta loses it, goes upside down. That car's pretty much destroyed. Maybe it can be salvaged to some extent down the road, but Brian said we have to go to a backup car. So yes, the cars are the same and they'll put it back together properly, but it's not the same. Colton goes from somebody, even starting 26th, I thought he had a chance. It's going to be a long shot to win the race, but his car was good. They were going to do some things off strategy, and if the yellow worked out the right way, if they got up in the top seven or eight, they would have a chance at winning the race, certainly finishing the top three. Could he do that now? Maybe. But the chances of that car being fast enough, uh, I think are unlikely. You know, probably now you're looking at top 10 is about maybe top six or seven is about the best they can do. So those are the two big storylines. I fear that might make some people rethink what they're doing on carb day. It may be really, nope, we've had enough time. We know what the race car is going to be. Let's just make sure that everything is working properly and, and then we'll put it away. Yes, sir, you, have a, you gotta come up. We gotta hear you in the microphone because the uh, massive audience we have via podcast and on the radio won't be able to hear this. What's your question? What's your name, first of all? My name is Phil from Wisconsin. Just wondering what your take is on Jimmy Johnson running the Indy 500. I think it's fantastic, and I'm glad he's doing it. Um, he has undertaken a massive challenge by trying to figure out IndyCar road racing in his mid-40s. Yes, he's done road racing before, but it's not the same. And he's going to be where he's at. He's going to run in the back. It's just impossible. Will he, if he keeps doing it, have some days where he can legitimately run top 12, 13, 14? Probably. But he's not going to be a factor to win. Okay. But on an oval, he can win, as he showed us at Texas. It's a sure. different skill sure. set. He's done more 500-mile races times 10 than anybody else. He has the mental strength to do a 3-hour and 15-minute race. Right. IndyCar drivers do it once a year. He did it 25 times a year, 30 times a year, sure. if not more. Uh, Jimmy's in a great car. I'll still be surprised if he wins the race because at the end, I think it comes down to that craftiness that Elio showed last year, that Simon Pagano showed in 2019. You need to have been there, done that before. And I think if he's fighting with someone who's been in the battle at the end, they're gonna have the upper hand. He can win it though. What if he's fighting with Romain Grosjean? Or what if he's fighting with a, a young driver that's just not ever been up at the front? Maybe a Renus VK, who's, yes, he's led the race, but he wasn't there at the end. That's the scenario for, for Jimmy. But Jimmy's also, run, Jimmy's also run the 500, or the 400, excuse me, at Indianapolis in a stock car. Yeah, I don't think that matters a whole no. lot. No, no more than any other oval race. It's a different, it probably helps him a teeny bit. But in some ways, it's mixed because he needs to forget some of the, the, the lines and the other, the other things he had there. But Jimmy's a fantastic story. And I know IndyCar fans get annoyed with how much we talk about Jimmy on NBC. Um, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the ratings were up last year for the races that Jimmy participated in. If he stays in the top five or ten this weekend, along with Grosjean, if he's up there, and even if they weren't in the race, I think there's more enthusiasm about the Indy 500. But you might see a pretty big ratings number this weekend, and a lot of that is going to be to Jimmy. And Carvana buys all kinds of commercials. Sure. So we love that. Jimmy's all been right. good for business. Good Thank question. You. Have a good day. Thank you very much. Question. All right, got to come up here real quick.
Uh, let's see. We still got a few minutes in this segment. What's your name? My name's Phil. What's your question? Um, well, I'm going back to Carb Day when you were uh, talking about the amount of running they were doing. And I'm curious with the weather difference, how it was cool and overcast today, going to be sunny and warm on Sunday. What all can, how much can they learn running that much today? And can they talk themselves into a change that might mess their car up for Sunday by running that much? That is a fantastic point. And another reason why I'm surprised they ran so much today. And I don't think they learned a lot. I think what you're more likely to do is find, boy, the car feels great. Well, it feels great because it's 65 degrees. When it's 82 degrees and sunny, and apparently the, the latest sealing of the track with the penetrant that makes it darker, you know, we all know that you don't wear a dark shirt when it's sunny, it attracts the sun. That's heating up the track a little bit more, and it's going to get slick and greasy. And I don't think, yes, it applies. You're learning some balance things, but it's not the same thing. That, that's an excellent point, and it's another surprise that they did as, as much as they had. Let me tell you, um, oh, another question. Fantastic, because you've probably heard my thoughts by now if you have Peacock if you've been listening to the radio. Your name, sir? My name's Matt. What's your question, Matt? Um, there's a lot of years of experience in the Indy drivers on Sunday. Are there any three-win drivers that have an opportunity to win their fourth race and join that elite club of four? No, no three-time winners this year. Two-time winners, Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, are there any other two-time winner? Takuma Sato, a two-time winner. That's it for two times, right? Isn't, isn't there eight? There are eight former winners. Uh, you've got the four-time winner. You've got the two two-time winners. And then, oh, don't the make Vegas me. Odds so, what are the Vegas odds? I have no idea. I'm the only person left in America that doesn't gamble on sports. I don't understand what plus 350 means. Dick, Dixon has to be the favorite. Uh, so when you talk favorites, and the, it, it's Ganassi. The, those cars are so good, and the drivers are so good. It's Dixon, it's Pillow, Kanan, Erickson. That's why we talk about Jimmy. When I talk to drivers who know more than I do, they say that the others that are really good, really fast, are the Ed Carpenter racing cars, especially Ed Carpenter and Renes VK. And then after that, I'm kind of hearing everybody's fairly equal. Some of the Andretti cars are pretty good. I still think the Penske cars are going to be strong. I'm trying to go different because everybody's picking Dixon. I've been picking New Garden since the winter, and so I'm sticking with New Garden. If you didn't see the pit stop competition today, they look on fire. They did four flawless pit stops, and that's going to pick you up two or three positions if you do it like that on race day. So New Garden is still a heavy favorite. Next question, your name, young lady. Sophia. What's your question? So which engine manufacturer seems to have the edge for the races here, Honda or Chevy? Good question. Which engine manufacturer is stronger? Here, I think it's perfect that it seems pretty even. I think a lot of us thought the way the season started. So by the way, the last couple of years, it's generally been Honda. Or certainly the big Chevy team, Penske, was out to lunch for qualifying and and they were still pretty strong in the race but honda was better chevy looks super strong in the other races including at texas so we thought it might be chevy this year but i think honda has come back but the other part is is it honda is just as strong or is just ganassi so good because really the separation seems to be ganassi from the other hondas that's why I still give Newgarden a really good chance in the Ed Carpenter car. So straight up engine, I think it might be Chevy, but just barely. I think either one can win. Good question. 
Next question. Oh, you, you jumped her. She was next. <laughs> your question. And your name. Tammy from Texas. What's your question, Tammy? Uh, they said at the track that Colton doesn't have to go to the back of the field. He does not. That rule doesn't there? exist anymore. Okay. And when did that change? Oh, I think it really changed when they changed the qualifying format. I forget the years, but it's been 10, 12, 13 years. So once they started forcing drivers to qualify more than one time, you were running the risk of crashing. You know, back in the day, you qualified the car, and then if you want to go out anymore, you understand you run the risk. If you crash, uh, you're, you're going to start last, but that no longer exists. If you change the driver, you would have to start last, but you can change the chassis. Now it's more, it used to be the car that was qualified, now it's more that the driver is qualified. So Colton will keep his position. Yes, sir, your name and your question. Uh, Tim Hill, Spokane, Washington, home of uh, Tom Sneva. Nice. Um, my question is, who's the under, who's the underdog with a real chance? Some, somebody that's really being overlooked and maybe shouldn't be. Uh, People are not talking a lot about willpower. I don't know if willpower, can a Team Penske driver be counted as an underdog? Probably not, but I think willpower is gonna have a really good race car. He seems uncertain. I sat with him for about 15, 20 minutes yesterday, and he said, I'm still not really sure where we're gonna be at at the end when we have to win it, but I think we're pretty good. I think we have as good a chance as anybody is passing cars, so Will would be the one I would think of. We need to take a quick break. I'll still continue chatting with people here, but as far as the radio show is concerned, we'll wrap it up and get you set for race day in just a moment. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. All right, welcome back to Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Final segment of the radio show for tonight and some new information. Again, we recorded this about an hour or so ago, but the latest information, by the time you're hearing this live on the radio, the track might be dry. And first up is going to be USF 2000 and then Indy Pro 2000 is the current plan. So we still could see, uh, before my bedtime, we could see racing tonight in the new sack. That's the highlight, that'll be at the end of the evening. Dr. Calvin Lee is here from the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. We're just telling the crowd, this is our honoree. He is going to be giving the command here tonight in just a little bit. Thank you to our crowd that joined us in person. This is kind of an experiment. Someday we will actually get nice weather and this will go off as planned and we'll make it bigger and better than ever next year. Uh, radio coverage all weekend long right here and include 93 WIBC along with the usual outlets, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You can watch Peacock live in Indianapolis and of course NBC Nationwide and the tape delay on uh, Sunday night at 7 o'clock on Channel 13. Thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for supporting Home for Our Troops with ABC Supply. And remember, uh, log on to the website if you'd like to donate. And we'll see you next Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, back to weekly, recapping the greatest race in the world. Good night, everybody.